0: Yeah, like other strategies that we've covered before, so instead of retargeting people who have looked at our product detail page, we can target people who have looked at our competitor's product detail page, but didn't purchase from them or us. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm Joe, and I'm joined by Matt from Ad Advance. and Matt, how are you doing on this lovely Black Friday?
1: Doing great. Yeah, Fridays are normally good. Black Friday is the best of them, so... Yep. yep. So we had a good
0: day off yesterday. We're all back in the office today, um, just cruising through campaigns and accounts, looking at budgets and making sure that everything's just running well for the Black Friday rush. So always a good time. So today, what we want to talk through is we're seeing this massive spike in traffic right now, and we're going to see a lot of traffic going forward till right before Christmas. And so one of the key things is how do we take advantage of that traffic? And then how do we convert all those people who have been previously looking at our product detail pages, maybe in prep for today, hoping for a deal, but they looked at it a couple weeks ago. And so what we really wanted to focus on for this episode is kind of a retargeting strategy and how we can implement that So Matt, for those who aren't familiar, I know we've covered this a little bit before on the podcast, but maybe just dig into a bit, kind of what retargeting is, and then we can kind of jump into
1: how you can actually implement that. Sure. So retargeting at its core is a way of re-engaging shoppers that have shown an interest in your products at some point in the past. So when we look at retargeting campaigns, we're typically looking at two strategies. That would be view-based retargeting, an audience that looked at your products but has not purchased it yet or purchase retargeting or repurchasing, where somebody's made a purchase in the past and we wanna get them back in the door to either purchase the same product a second time or cross sell them on a different product.
0: Yeah, yep, exactly. So. You know, let's let's just focus on a couple different situations right now. So one would be the situation where people have been browsing for a couple of weeks now, coming into Black Friday, but not wanting to purchase just because you know you can get deals and prices can drop. Um, so for those people who have previously viewed our our products, maybe kind of walk me through a couple different ways that you could bring them back on the page to try to get them to convert.
1: Yeah. So there are two primary means of retargeting, one through sponsored display audience targeting, uh, the other through DSP. So sponsored display is the most easily accessible for the average Amazon seller or vendor that's brand registered. You can set up a campaign with a few clicks, very similar to creating a a sponsored products campaign campaign. Create the campaign, give it a name, pick your products, and then you pick the audience interaction. So in this case, that would be view-based retargeting, and then you choose a lookback period where the audience, the the window that the audience looked at your product detail page.
0: Sure. Yep. So so as you're going in and setting these up, so I'd go into a sponsor display. Uh, create a new campaign and select audiences. And then I do the views remarketing audience. And then for the look back window, like Matt was talking about, essentially that's just the length of time, like prior to today that somebody looked at the product detail page. So if I have a 14 day look back window, that includes anybody who has looked at that product detail page in the last 14 days. So it could have been one day ago. It could have been 14 days ago. Any of those people would now fall within our audience that we can now target with ads both on and off of Amazon using sponsored display. So in terms of like placements for where these ads show up for sponsored display, typically what you'd find them is like below the buy box, sometimes below the bullet points on the product detail page, or else you can also, they can be shown off Amazon too. So if you're over there on like weather.com or your favorite news site, and you see an ad for a product that you just looked at, like that's probably going to be a retargeting ad, and that's going to be either sponsored display or DSP itself.
1: Yeah, and what's really cool with on Amazon placements, uh, so they share a placement with sponsored display product targeting. We've talked about sponsored display product targeting quite a bit. You pick ASINs, you can conquest product pages with your product. You're typically a substitute product. What's unique though, even though it shares that placement, uh, is you don't have to pick just substitute products. Somebody expressed this interest in your product, they fall into the audience, uh, the view-based audience, and you can follow their activity around Amazon. So even if they're not looking at a substitute or a compliment, you can still display your ads, even if it's an unrelated page, uh, because they fall into that retargeting window, and then that offset component is huge. So the other sponsored ad types are only on Amazon placements. With sponsored display, we can follow shoppers around the internet and retarget them while they're not actively shopping on Amazon. So it's a great way to extend your reach and re- and uh, retarget, target an audience that's interested in your products.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just taking it really high level, like in the previous episode, we talked about brand building. And really getting people familiar with your products, familiar with your brand, and then working their way down the funnel. So in that funnel, after we get them familiar with their brand, familiar with their products, if they look at those product detail pages, at that point, they might not be ready to convert to a sale. But now these retargeting ads can be that extra gentle push to get them to complete that, that sale as you go. And so what's been awesome with uh, Sponsored Display and what the Sponsored Display team has done is they've made some of these core strategies really accessible to any Amazon sellers that are brand registered um, and really easy to set up an overall uh, retargeting ad. So for, in terms of like bidding and everything, how do you set that up, Matt, when you're looking at sponsored display retargeting?
1: Yeah. So that's a good question. There are two different billing types that you can select when you're creating a sponsored display audience targeting campaign. One is cost per click. So the standard sponsored ad pricing model where you pay when somebody clicks the ad. Uh, the other model is CPM. So cost per 1000 impressions. So it's a view-based billing type. And The key reason why they rolled that out, well, there are a few. It aligns with industry standard practice for off-site retargeting. So all of these open exchanges, the Google's, Amazon's, all these other display networks use CPM billing. And so for competing for that third party off Amazon space, it's a more consistent, measurable cost type, falls within industry norms. It also aligns well with higher funnel strategies outside of retargeting where a lot of your metrics are going to be reach or impression based. So you're setting the price that you're willing to pay to have 1,000 eyes on your ad essentially. So it helps quantify or you know set pricing for your reach based metrics too. Um, when you select CPM based billing, your metrics will change the basis of them. So CPC, it would only attribute sales when the ad is clicked. Uh, when you use CPM billing, it's going to show you metrics relating to views as well. So, view-based attribution.
0: Sure. Um, yeah. And so, the, the big difference between like, so if you do CPC, it's going to be click-based attribution. So, the sale will get attributed to the ad if it is clicked when using CPC, But if using CPM or impression-based attribution, essentially what happens is that sale is now going to get attributed to that ad if it was viewed, even if they didn't click it. And so as we get into DSP, this will provide a nice apples-to-apples comparison because DSP is all view-based attribution versus click-based attribution. And just uh, for a rule of thumb too, for the rest of the sponsored ad types, it's all click-based attribution. So if you want to compare performance between the different sponsored ad types, you might want to use click-based, so you're getting a good apples-to-apples comparison there. If you're looking at DSP, that's going to be impression-based, so you can get apples-to-apples there too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then just for like a general rule of thumb of where to start your bids around, uh, if you're using CPM billing, I'd start somewhere around the $5 mark and see how volume comes in. Uh, volume could be a bit low around that $5 CPM bid don't be afraid to step it up until you start seeing volume. You can always work it back down if results aren't favorable. Typical CPMs that you actually pay have ranged anywhere from the three fifty dollars to $6, $7 range. What's interesting though is in a lot of cases, we've had to bid as high as $8 to start getting impressions. Even though the CPM that you actually pay has been quite a bit lower than that, we're seeing very low volume at more conservative bids. And finally stepping it up has, we've cross this hurdle where we've got quite a bit more volume, even though we're not paying close to the bid right now. So I'd expect some fine tuning of Amazon's algorithms with sponsor display and the CPM billing type. It's pretty new as of the date of this recording for CPMs around this time of year and your bids. I would look to start in the five to $8 range. Sure. Yep. So we're recording this on black Friday. This episode will
0: go live very early December. So in terms of that, what would you use for lookback windows when setting up your sponsored display campaigns? And just so you're, you're all aware too, Amazon just increased the number of lookback windows available and extended this to longer time periods that you can use for sponsor or for, for view-based attribution or for views audiences, sorry. And so for that, we've got a lot of different options ranging all the way up to, I believe it's uh, is it 180 days for
1: views. It's 90 days for views and 365 days for purchases. Okay, perfect. Yep. And for views, it, it's in these even increments. So seven days, 14 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Sure. So with those different options that are
0: available, what would you pick given this current time of year?
1: Sure. So if I was setting up sponsored display retargeting campaigns today on Black Friday, I would be using a seven to 14 day look back window to start. So that way, all these people that did the window shopping, I reach that hot audience and get them back to my product pages on this super high traffic, high conversion day. You're not listening to this podcast today though, on Black Friday, you're listening to it a week or so into the holiday season or later. So if it's early January, I would look at extending that look back window. So we can still reach those window shoppers, the people that searched for your product ahead of Black Friday that still haven't made a purchase yet. That's a key thing here. If they did buy buy your product on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, they'll be excluded from the audience retargeting pool. So I would look at either 14 days or 30 days most likely. Just note that the shorter the lookback you use, likely the better the ROAS you'll see. Just because that audience has visited your page more recently, they have that brand callback that it, your product's still ingrained in their memory much more so than an audience that viewed it 29 days ago. So the shorter the look back, typically the better the return, but you'd be missing out on a larger audience if you use like seven days versus 14 days in early December.
0: Yep. Yep. And originally you said early January, but I think you meant early December. So if you're starting in early December, you want to use 14 to 30 days. Right. Yep. <laughs> so we're we're struggling a bit on our days today.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you uh, if you're setting this up in early January, I would just scrap it probably because you're going to be retargeting people over like the Christmas period and yeah. you know maybe wait a little bit and uh, reach the shoppers that are shopping in early January. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: So big takeaway there. You can uh, test different look back windows. Just know that the further that you expand that look back window, the less warm that audience is going to be, the less likely it is to convert. Somebody who looked at your listing yesterday is going to be much more likely to convert than somebody who looked 60 days ago. So just know that. And then the, the other piece that we can get into a bit just to cover that it's available as sponsored display purchases too. And so like Matt said, we've got even longer look back windows for that. So if you have people who are you're trying to drive repeat purchases, and that can be a great audience to implement too. You can do much longer look back windows. And like we've covered in previous podcasts, you really want to tune that to kind of that consumable period when somebody's going to run out of your first product. when do you retarget them for that next purchase as you go? So we covered sponsored display but there's another way that we can implement retargeting and it's through DSP. So kind of walk through what that looks like and maybe just point out a couple of the differences that we have there between sponsored display and DSP itself.
1: Yeah. So with DSP, you have substantially more control over pretty much every single element of a retargeting campaign, way more features, options, controls than sponsored display with DSP. Let's talk about view-based retargeting. First, you can set, exclusion audiences and layer them with your look back your view based look backs so what that would be would be eliminating audiences from your retargeting pool so one thing that we like to do rather than like with sponsor display you have to pick really one look back window and if you create campaigns with multiple look backs you're going to be doubling up audiences in each one
0: yeah like for example say if we set up a look back window with one would be 14 days and say we set up another one with 30 days Now you have that zero to 14 day audience included in both campaigns. And so you kind of double up there.
1: Yeah. So with DSP, we can set these exclusions so we can ladder different lookbacks together into the same campaign, for example. So we'll have a line, a set of lines or kind of like an ad group for zero to three days, four to seven days, eight to 14, 15 to 30. And then with each unique look back, that isolated look back for each group, we can set different frequencies. So how much we expose each shopper, individual shopper to our ads on custom time ranges. So zero to seven days or zero to three days, for example, I may set higher frequencies. So we reach that really high intent worm audience more frequently. And then as we extend that look back, maybe from 15 to 30 days, We'll use a much lower frequency since it's a colder audience. We don't need to overwhelm them with tons of impressions and you know, potentially waste spend by, through overexposure. Yep. So sponsored display doesn't have the exclusion option uh, where you can ladder look back windows. It doesn't have frequency controls. Another cool thing with exclusions, audience exclusions, would be building custom exclusion lists. So instead of just limiting people that have purchased our products. We can also limit people that have purchased similar products in our catalog or competitor products that are very comparable. So we're not retargeting an audience that's already made a purchase
0: sure so like somebody who's looking for like a bigger tip a ticket item
1: <clears throat> if we just did sponsor display
0: retargeting we could see they looked on our product detail page but didn't purchase but now with dsp what we can do is we can also look at a bunch of competitor products maybe they looked at our product detail page but then they went to our competitor and purchased this one time bigger ticket item if they did that, they're highly unlikely to purchase from us too. So we can exclude them from that audience completely. So we're not wasting spend on somebody who we know has already completed that purchase. They've moved on. They're not going to buy from us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. The, The fact that you can build audiences from competitor ASINs or any ASIN on Amazon is super powerful because you can build just going beyond, say, Mason retargeting, you can build so many like custom in-market audiences or competitor con- conquesting audiences, and then improve the ROAS of your retargeting campaigns at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, other strategies that we've covered before. So instead of retargeting people who have looked at our product detail page, we can target people who have looked at our competitor's product detail page, but didn't purchase from them or us. So kind of the same strategy, but expanding even a little bit broader.
1: Yeah. A couple other differences, moving over to like the ad placement or creative side of things, we can customize the ad sizes that we show. So certain ad sizes, ad specs will outperform others by significant margins. We can pick ad sizes, ad specs that produce the best returns. We can also adjust weightings for creatives to have a bias towards those best returning creatives or the best for click-through rate or whatever our goal KPIs are. There's also automation between for optimizing all of those different sizes. So for running everything, Amazon will also work in the background to optimize towards a goal KPI like ROAS or click-through rate, which is very, very powerful. You can do custom creative too. Responsive e-commerce creative is very similar to sponsored display with those different size options and a couple additional bells and whistles that help improve returns. Another cool thing too regarding placements, kind of moving into the inventory and supply side... Although this kind of ties into audiences too. You can target the device being used. So one thing that we always do is we segment our orders by supply and device. So you can pick between desktop, mobile, and mobile applications. And each of those has considerable differences in performance. So mobile browsers tend to perform very well. The ads appear very large. They have great click-through rates, typically uh, better for Better exposure, better click-through, better returns. Desktop's great. Mobile apps, typically a little bit worse just because of the inventory. But we can control the inventory with DSP too by excluding certain sites or having a bias towards desktop, mobile, non-app-based devices through all of our DSP settings and by isolating them into unique lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
0: so j- just, you know, overall general summary, like we can control a lot more with yeah. DSP,
1: which is cool one last item All right. on that. I'll yeah. Like yeah. Okay. This is an important one. <laughs> sure. Right? Uh, Amazon own supply versus open exchange or third party supply. You can also control where your ads appear, whether you can have a bias towards on Amazon placements or a bias towards off Amazon placements on Amazon. You're going to see better returns off Amazon. You get that really unique reach aspect of it. So uh, huge advantages there as well.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, so I mean, like really high level, just kind of circling back, like key differences between sponsor display and DSP. Like DSP, we can stack different lookback windows, so we can segment the different lookback windows quite a bit. For each of those, we can optimize for certain goal KPIs that we have. And we can also customize things like frequency. So we show the ads more right after they visited our product detail page and then kind of taper that off over time. So we have more control there. On the creative side, on the placement side, just a ton of overall different settings that we can uh, include. Whereas on sponsored display, that's all automated in the background and how they select those different things, we don't have much control over it. Lots of really cool things that we can do with the DSP side. But even if you don't have access to DSP right now, like sponsored display, like this is an ideal time to set up retargeting ads. People, this is the most likely that people are going to convert is right now. This is when people are very high intent shopping, using these ads to drive people back who have previously viewed your products um, is typically going to be a great approach, whether you just use sponsored display or go to the DSP route.
1: Yeah. If you're not using retargeting yet, I would get going with it and just launch sponsored display retargeting campaigns as soon as you're done hearing this podcast. And then if you're still interested in DSP, then start the conversation. Like there's nothing holding you back from creating those sponsored display retargeting campaigns because they're so accessible and easy to set up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now is the time. So Matt, any other
0: pieces that we forgot to cover before we wrap this one up? I don't think so. Yeah, so overall, just want to say thanks for listening to this episode of the Ad Project podcast. Um also just wanted to give a quick shout out. So we've got a free campaign review tool on our website. If you ever want to check out and see like what features you're utilizing or where some gaps are currently in your ad strategy. Um, We've got a section on the website, just go to adadvanced.com and then you can click our free campaign review tool. You sign up, super quick sign up, and then it'll give you a free report each month. So just know that that's available. Like, you know, these different strategies like sponsored display coming in, sponsored brands. It'll just give you an overview on how well you're utilizing each of the features along with a lot of different long-term trends. So definitely encourage you to check it out, totally free. Um, and just gives you a gives you a good spot to know where to look at um, when you're trying to overall increase the performance of your ad. So that's it for today. I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of the Ad Project.